All right. Welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Everything center fire and rim fire. This is uh, going to be a round two on this podcast. I had to get a new mixing board, and I don't like the music that's on this mixing board, but my other one decided it was just going to completely crap out on me, so I think I'm going to send it to one of my buddies up in northern Idaho, and if he says it doesn't work, then he can beat on it with a hammer. Me and I'm glad the guest talked about that last time, but uh, just some housekeeping before we get started here. <clears throat> Added a new class for Colorado. will be high angle in the middle of June. Uh, there's still rimfire up there. We've got some classes coming up here in May. We start again on Monday with a PR1 and 2, and then I think I have another one at the end of May with a uh, PR1 or an RF1 here in Texas. And so that's going on. I uh, just wanted to say go to Rifles Only website. You can check out the dates on those classes and exactly what's going to be offered and everything else. Wanted to get to a uh, couple of questions real quick. Uh, one of them came in. says, what is your experience with scope rings versus one-piece scope mounts? Do you re- recommend one over the other, lap or bed the rings? And what is your experience with tall versus short setups? Interesting. Came up. I've got... Uh, two of the Accuracy International ATs here. One of them I use a one-piece mount. The other one I use the uh, Leupold, just the two rings, the Mark IV mounts on those. I see no difference at all. I had called them because I was going to plant a thermal in front of that optic, and so I called them and asked them if they could give me uh, the tallest set of rings they had at Leupold, and they came back, and it was a one-piece mount. I mounted it on, uh, zeroed it, never had one stitch of problems with it at all. Then the other one, uh, with the two rings on it, never had a stitch of problems with those at all. Um, lap or bed the rings. No, it's not really necessary these days. There was a time whenever they were in perfect tolerances, but now everything is pretty well CNC, so it's it's uh, it's pretty clean. I, I, I haven't had to lap anything in a long, long time. Uh, as for the difference between tall versus short, um, I have a little bit of a neck issue, so I like to run my scope a little bit higher. Uh, fortunately, with the chassis that are out there, and especially on the ATX and everything else, we can adjust that cheek piece to where you can get a really good cheek weld. Not really seeing a big difference in, you know, short. It used to be, okay, we want that scope to be as close to the barrel as you can possibly get it. That's kind of been debunked. We've killed a lot of stuff otherwise without having any problems with that at all. But I think the main thing on this on this question here has to do with lap or bed the rings, and no, I haven't done it. Um, any of the stuff that's out there, low pulled, um, Badger ordnance, pretty much any of the rings that, that you're going to run across, they're very, very high quality and you're not running into that problem anymore. Um, uh, next one came up on appropriate size targets. I want to tackle this one later, but I will tell you that we have uh, one MOA target at rifles only. We have uh, Then we have a truing bar out there, but we have the same size target from 300 all the way to 1,000. So at 300, you're talking about it's a pretty big target, 10 by 10, and then it just stays 10 by 10, 400, 500, 600, so on, all the way out to 1,000. Um, we do have some smaller targets that we'll use uh, the half and third IPSIX or two-third IPSIX that we use you know, for training and competition. Um, not real, uh, <laughs> doesn't really get, uh, two wrapped around the axle on that. Um, I know that you're interested in the in the 22. Um, the, I, I know a lot of people are saying that at every range, you know, they're having a, a two MOA a two MOA target for every range, and I get that. I think the only place that we've done that is four and five hundred, where we have a two MOA target, a one and a half MOA target, a one MOA target, and then a half MOA target, and we use those for the for the know your limitation drills and then also during during training so that people can really get get down to having really good dope on their rifles and on their scopes so um with the with a 22 as you had asked about what i did is i ordered the nrl 22 package from jc steel and it comes with a lot of different targets at a lot of different shapes and a lot of different sizes and you can 
you can put a larger target on there and then have a more difficult position that you're shooting from. And it can be just as difficult as if you have a really small target way out uh, from the prone or, you know, from a alternate position. So just mix and match the whole thing. Uh, a big question on that, you know, Lindy works here you know, forever and he feels like that when you're shooting positional, you should be able to consistently hit a two MOA target, but he's talking about sling only. And so I think that there's a bunch of different schools of thoughts on target size out there. Uh, and I think it is best left to your own imagination on what you want to be able to shoot. I know that I've heard of a couple of matches where people came out and they said the targets are just way too small and they were ridiculously small. However, they were the same size for everybody. So I couldn't really find a, an area that, you know, you could really fault a match director or somebody out there who's, you know, has different size targets. Um, but at any rate, that's pretty much uh, the, what is on that one. Let me check if I got another one that I want to. Yeah, I have another one that, question that came in, but I haven't spoken to the Leopold people to get that get that answered yet. I don't think. Yeah, so I want to I want to make sure that I don't give the wrong answer on that one. So I'm going to call my my buddy at Leopold and ask him. But at any rate, like I was saying, we have the high angle in June up in Colorado and uh, rimfires up there as well. So if y'all want to get signed up with that, do it. Uh, it brings us into. Um, some of the the stuff that we have on the website, you may know that some of them list as a classes in New Hampshire. And so there is a Rifles Only New Hampshire that's been up and running for a while. And I got the principal of Ni Rifles Only New Hampshire on with me. Uh, say hello, Mr. Mike Mayo. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, Mike, uh, you've been up there uh, doing that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you? Where are you from? How old are you? Um, talk to you about your, your shooting career. Cool. So uh, my name is Mike Mayo. I'm from a small town in New Hampshire called Sunapee. And um, I've been shooting precision rifle for right around 15 years. I've been training with you specifically, Jacob, for just about 11 years now and uh teaching with you for five years so yeah it's a lifelong journey lots to learn and uh i'm having a hell of a time doing it oh cool what got you started what got me started well i come from a family of warriors and uh all my both my parents were in the military my entire family was more or less in the military and when i was getting ready to go in i actually ended up having to stay home for family reasons but I never lost that drive and I've always had a desire to learn all the skill sets that these guys learn basically so I can be an asset to my community, my family and my country. So I, uh, I started off with almost two decades of martial arts. I don't want to get too personal. But I don't want to get too personal with you, Ben, but what, what, what kind of family thing happened? I mean, I, I know that we, we had a lost episode on this one and you explained it on the last one and it was very interesting. Yeah, well, so uh, my dad ended up trying to retire early. It wasn't able to happen. I had to come home and essentially help him start a company back up, a large company, once formerly large company, back up out of a station wagon. So we went from having 80 employees to essentially having me. Mm -hmm. And um, he wasn't quite ready to retire. We hit the recession hit right around, I don't know, early mid nineties. Mm -hmm. So I made the, made the choice to come home and, and help him out and, um, follow my career as a fighter for a while, while in turn, you know, helping him get things sorted out. All right. Very good. Very good. He's since, he since been able to retire and, um, I'm moving on. So. Well, good. What's he doing in retirement? 
He is a woodworker and a coppersmith. He's 85 now. He just keeps on going. <laughs> um, pretty much had to kick him out of the company. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, I know that I know that it's grown into something uh, ex- extremely good these days. So congrats on that. But carry on. Carry on. You were I, I rudely interrupted you. That's okay. So, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the ring as a fighter, full contact kickboxer, um, several other martial arts. I took to a very high level and I experimented in jujitsu for a number of years. But from a firearms training standpoint, I had very little experience other than hunting as a kid. So one day I went out and I bought uh, an accurized AR, started shooting it and realized that I didn't really know much. So I'm a, I'm a research oriented kind of individual. I found Macmillan rifles, bought a Macmillan rifle. And one of the perks was you got to do a class with them. Buy a $5,000 rifle. You get a free two day course and maybe it was three days. Wow. Okay. So I spent, yeah, it was a pretty good deal. Really. Um, I don't think you find anything like that these days. So I got to spend some time with Kelly and Ryan McMillan out in Arizona, out there at Cowtown, did some training decided to extend the trip to just under two weeks. And at that point, uh, I had the bug, if you will. So we came home, came home for just about a year, put everything I learned to practice. And then in turn, I found you on the internet one day while I was looking for suppressor covers, Mm -hmm. called you, called you, asked you if you'd be interested in training me privately for a week and you answering, asking all the right questions, called me back and said, Hey, why do you want to come here? What's your goal? Who are you? What are you about? You know, essentially you were vetting me. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And then I came out, I spent a little over a week with you guys doing everything from CQB to, you know, the precision rifle thing. And from there, it just escalated heavily. I started training with you two or three times a year all over the country. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We, I got there as often as I could. And then at one point, you were supposed to come here just for like a family vacation. You couldn't make it. You asked me if I could help with a military class in Colorado. I was uh, stoked at the opportunity. And having just had a little boy a few months prior to that, I I was ready for a break from a sleepless night. (laughs) So (laughs) so I jumped at the opportunity. And God bless my wife. She's very patient. So she said, go have fun. And uh, yeah. History in the making. We're yeah, still you, doing it. you definitely married up. And speaking of that, I had, we had a chance to babysit my my great nephew this morning, and uh, that's a lot of work, man. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Well, it's good. A lot of work. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that your lovely wife was able to say, "Okay, this is something that you want to do," and and allowed you to go do that. That's a big thing. And that's what it is. She knows this is my happy place. Like you know, rifles only and training and and competing and stuff. So she's, as long as communication's open, she's all for it. I mean, I'm gone roughly 25 to 30% of the year. Yep. Um, and she supports me fully in this mission. Well, good. Well, good. You have, so, you I'm, have three I'm kids though, guy. right? I do. So I got Molly who's 20, almost 21. She's in college. Mm-hmm. And then I have Ronan. Ronan is four and Bodie just turned one. Wow. So I spaced, spaced two of them out quite a bit. And uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I thought the second time around being 48 years old now, as opposed to 27 when Molly was born, yeah. that I'd be more, that I'd be more patient. Yeah. And, uh, 
Uh, I'm here to tell you I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, uh, we I had... think part of that's because they're boys. Yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, they 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 will test you. You know that's that's what we that's what boys do. Well, and they are their father's sons. Yeah, that's, so, that's true. You know, and you are a ginger, but, so that means you know <laughs> you got the temper to do. I am so. a ginger, mm-hmm. and and the youngest one is a ginger too, and he's a wild one. I can tell you. <laughs> which, which by the way he took his first three steps today oh cool congratulations that's yeah, awesome that that's, is awesome. That's well deal. cool man well um let we know that rifles only in new hampshire exists if you go to the rifles only website uh it, it's a franchise of rifles only so the, what that means is that we handle all of the scheduling of classes and and take your money and handle your email questions and everything else and then mike does the training up there at, at rifles only new hampshire and uh, just before we get into your facility and everything else i want to say that i'm i'm really proud to have you on the rifles only team you you do a great job uh, before we cut you loose on your own, I would sit and watch you back, watch you just teach a class, you know, watch what you were doing and everything else. And, and you're real good. You're real conscientious. You're very patient whenever it comes to the students, maybe not your kids, but you are very patient when it comes to the students. We can talk about some training methodologies here in a little bit, but, but let's talk about the facility. I mean, I know that, um, you, you've done a hell of a lot of work up there. Let, let's talk about that facility and, and tell me what it would look like if, if someone, signs up to go to a class up there with you. What, what can they expect to see? What do you have as far as infrastructure for training? Uh, talk about that. Okay. So, uh, rifles only New Hampshire. We use a facility called Alderbrook sportsman association in Littleton, New Hampshire. It's a beautiful little resort town, pretty much nestled right in the heart of the white mountains. And when you roll in on station, we have a little classroom, there are skeet bays, pistol bays, carbine bays, and then we have what we call the short deck for doing the fundamentals, checking zeros and all that. But then you, you go up the mountain a few hundred meters, and it's it's roughly, I'd say, a 225-degree field of fire. Mm-hmm. we got tons of steel, truing lanes. we got targets out to 1250. We, have, uh, we build a bunch of rifles-only barricades, so we have all sorts of props, both man-made and natural. Tons of rocks, boulders, trees, all cleared out to shoot off of. Um, and we got trails that kind of interlink all the different shooting stations from what I will just refer to as six o'clock of the stations. So you can actually move from one point to the other via a road. But if, if the range is hot, then what we do is we walk this little trail through the woods and we can get safely from station to station without breaking the quote unquote 180 rule. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're able to move her about freely around the facility. And the cool thing about Alderbrook is, you know, the white mountains are famous for well wind. Mm-hmm. So we have multiple converging weather patterns. It's the only place on the East coast that I have shot that has winds comparable to what we do in our high mountain classes, okay. our high, a high angle, high angle rather. So, right. We get up drafts, we get down drafts, we get constant switch winds, or as I say, slippery winds. Mm-hmm. And uh, and up there, sometimes the weather can change in a minute, which of course means the wind changes in a minute. But it's a great place to shoot. It's gorgeous. It's surrounded by beautiful mountains. But also, like if, if wind's your thing or wind needs to be your thing, it's easily one of the best places that I've trained at in the country in regards to like getting really good wind training. Well, good. And yeah, I, I think one of the one of the pieces of infrastructure that you put in basically because you and I have spent hours discussing the importance of it is moving targets. 
Yes, sir. Yeah. So I do have one of Carl Taylor's um, from In Motion Targets. We got one of his movers out there, multiple targets on the mover. So, you know, if it's a, a beginner class, we up the target size. And usually within about four or five hours, we can go cold for a bit and just start decreasing the target size, which uh, builds the skill set and the confidence of the student. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Alderbrook's also unique in the fact that New Hampshire is a granite state, which essentially means if you're going to pick a spot and try digging, good luck. Cause mm-hmm. it's all granite. So we don't have a lot of berms out there. And so it's really good training for all those out there who know what it's like to shoot into foliage, try to make calls in regards to misses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to challenge. It's going to challenge you. Now the mover, the mover, we built berms in front of and behind mm-hmm. uh, just to give just for safety and feedback really. Right. Um, but it's cool because the whole thing's like a bowl. So Picture 360 degree mountain that surrounds the range is essentially how this place works out. It's roughly, I don't know, it's roughly 500 acres surrounded by what I would guess is 13 to 15,000 acres. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's all wooded. Yeah. It's very safe. Uh, we do night shoots out there with the operators mm-hmm. and um, it's a, it's a great place to train. I love it. Whenever mm-hmm. I get a chance and uh, even before I come to rifles only to compete or whatever, I go up there to do my truing and just kind of get warmed up. I hear you. I hear you. And what, what is the, what, what targets are you using up there? So I'm a big fan of Jake's targets. We use a lot of JC steel. Those, those things can take a licking and keep on ticking. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have his T post spring targets. Mm-hmm. We have those just like, you know, we got in Texas, we got 10 inches at every range mm-hmm. and then, you know, a few mills to the right of each one. We have our point two truing bars, right? So we got point two truing lane all the way out to a thousand, mm-hmm. and then out at twelve fifty, we got some bigger like up armor plates ripped off of Humvees and stuff like that that yeah. we use for when you're, you know, shooting farther out or bad weather or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But really, there's there's a ton of different types of steel out there, and um, I got some bigger night targets, which are essentially the silhouette of the body, silhouette of the head. So when we're working with the guys at night, you know, a little bit bigger of a target that's easier to see. Yeah. They're helpful. They're yeah. helpful. Or you know how sometimes you got to heat them up first if you're going therm. Yep. Um, they hold the heat longer, so that makes it nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great facility. Lots of targetry. Oh, good. Yeah, we did some of that last night. You know that you know the pig problem that we have here. So we had a we had a department that was out, and uh, we did some training at night, and. Then they tried to stay up and with the thermal, and all they saw was rabbits. So no pigs. They didn't get them. Y'all have pigs up there? Uh, we have black Russian boar. Okay. Which were essentially imported here in the late 1800s. Okay. Uh, they're they're primarily located in this big hunting reserve about 15 miles from my house. Yeah. But you know, for the last hundred years, they've been getting out. So there's definitely a season on them. Yeah. You don't see a lot of them, but they do go as big as. 350 pounds. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're big and ornery. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I know that a lot of the people down here will, will trap those, and then they'll cut them, and then you'll end up with a 550-pound pig. That's not un, not uncommon down here. So, I mean, not not like right. super common, but not not completely rare. 
So yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because I, I know that a lot of people yeah. come down here to rifles only, and they they participate in a little bit of the the local hunting that goes on. You know, they'll go hunting for pig or nilgai or something like that in association with um, you know with a little bit of training that's happened. Oh, at least a dozen times in the last uh, six weeks. You know, people have were doing that. So I didn't know if there were any opportunities for that up there, or is is the laws in New Hampshire just completely disallow that? No, 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 there's, it's allowed what's open season all year round, which I'm pretty sure is the entire country is, you know, uh, predator hunting. So we do a lot of coyote hunting right? and, um, getting there, getting them up there on the range is, is pretty straightforward. They're everywhere. So, I mean, I've been out there, I run into moose, bear, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Well, you have a habit of that. Um, I do have a habit of, you know, running into a bear from time to time. Yep. It's usually against my will, but it <laughs> tends to have, it tends to happen. Well, just a, it's a little inside thing there. We had we had sent Mike up on the mountain to paint our targets up in Colorado, and so he's got a he's got a backpack full of spray paint, and you know uh, that's about it. And he runs up on two bears. So his his little nickname for those of you who are interested is Two Bears. So you can call Mike Mike, or you can call him Two Bears, or whatever. He'll answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did have my my Sig three twenty on my side, but I felt a little undergunned. A little under uh, talk about bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, I brought yeah. a gun to a bear fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I brought a handgun to a bear fight. A handgun to a bear fight. Yeah, you know when I was I was on with uh, with Frank Galley and he had gone up to Alaska and did a, a a trip hunting moose, you know, in a canoe, and so he took he took a ten millimeter pistol for bear, and so I'm I'm I think I had to the bear had to be pretty damn close <laughs> for us to start doing some good. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, I'd want, I'd want a few reloads. In that yeah, situation. definitely. Well, I think, I think he had, I think he had that ability. So yeah, I don't, you black oh, bears, yeah, those sure. black bears are over there where you are though. Correct. That's not, there's no grizzlies there, are there? Yeah, no black bears here and they're, they're, they're very skittish. They, they stay away from people. And I did run into once who, uh, had some cubs mm -hmm. and she did kind of like a false charge, but then she stood down and took off so, yeah. and I did the same yeah yeah that's that's the way you handle that for sure that's for sure yeah absolutely well cool well what absolutely. what about that you know what about that's going on with up there you're you're doing some regular four four or five day classes some two-day classes let's talk about that yeah so um for the last few years we're going to do what we've been doing what i would refer to as kind of a soft opening we don't have classes scheduled every week because um, this is a transitional period in my life mm -hmm. but we do have a bunch of classes on the calendar we have multiple we get a bunch of mover clinics so that could either be a one or two day thing mm -hmm. the first day is essentially what we just call the mover clinic you know it's kind right. of a intro intro to movers right and then if you decide to do day two that's the alternate mover clinic mm -hmm. and from there things get a lot more dynamic we shoot movers from tank traps barricades culverts, trees, rooftops, uh, you know, truck beds if we need to. We we had some movement. We had some time into it. Ultimately, we had some stress into it to make things a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's the mover clinic. That's a whole lot of fun. And it's very empowering. Yeah. If, if somebody wanted to, you know, up their game in the precision rifle world, nothing promotes growth faster, in my opinion, than getting proficient at shooting movers. Um. And then outside of that, yeah, we have we have some some developmental or skill builder clinics as we call them, and we also have our PR one and two. I think I have two or three of those scheduled for this year. So that's a that's a five day 
basically intro to upper intermediate level training a to b or a to z rather and that's that's a great course i everybody leaves having had a great time picks up a lot of knowledge and as do i i learn every time i teach a class so do i that is a that I is a big that deal, that. man. It's this. I don't know. After doing this for over two decades, and it's like I still can't wait. I got a, we have a one and two starting on Monday, and I can't wait. I'm just chomping at the bit to get going on it. I feel like to be a good instructor, you always have to be a good student and remain a humble student. Yep. So the, the, we all have stuff to learn from each other. It's all about perspective and um, having an open mind. Yep. So yeah, you know, we get I get lots of experienced shooters that come through, and I'll learn stuff from them, and then you know vice versa and then a lot of times at the end of the day we'll kind of or at lunch we'll sit down powwow and uh just learn from each other and that's great and you know make new friends at the same time right right yeah that's like awesome. mind like-minded friends that's awesome that is really good yeah well cool yeah yeah but new hip a good place to train here and uh we're very fortunate to have the use of it and everybody it's always very very quiet there as well so it's, you couldn't you couldn't shoot in a more beautiful location in the Northeast. Yeah. You were telling me that a lot of people that go up there and they'll, they'll end up stick sticking around just to go and see some of the local sites. I know that you got Mount Washington up there, which is, has some uh, unique distinctions of its own. <laughs> go ahead and visit about that a little bit. Oh. oh yeah. So some of the coldest in the winter, some of the coldest recorded temperatures on earth. Uh, it's not uncommon to get you know, below 110, 110 below zero. But um, winter aside, because I wouldn't advise going up there in the winter unless you're seriously prepared for it. It's beautiful hiking. We have what's called the presidential range. So I can't even remember how many it is, but we have dozens and dozens of 4,000 plus foot mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, New, Ham New Hampshire has over a thousand lakes. So depending on what time of year that you're here, you can go hiking, you can go fishing. You can do all the, uh, we have lots of, um, like cave structures that people go and they, they go cave exploring or however you want to define it. There's, there's, there's a lot to do. And, and really in New Hampshire, you're not driving more than 10 miles without seeing a body of water. Yeah. It's just how it is. So, and the cool thing about our water here is it's almost all great class, what we call class a. Mm -hmm. So you know how some places we go and the, the lakes look like chocolate milk. Yep. <laughs> not here. It's yep. all just, gorgeous so if you fish this is one of my favorite places to fish um but yeah beautiful state i'm proud to say i'm from here well cool well what's the uh what are, what are your working months up there because i know that you know you do you do get a heavy heavy snow snowpack up there in that area in new hampshire i mean you're pretty far north so what are the what are your usual working months so as far as course schedules go i'm I go basically from April to late November. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, you know, you and I have been talking. We're probably going to start doing some some cold weather clinics at some point because yep. we have ideal locations for it. You know, safety is obviously the always the main goal, but um, there are some special considerations when you're shooting in sub-zero temperatures. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as far as classes, April to late November, I train all year. I mean, if it's if it's anywhere above twenty below it's likely that I'm going to be on my gun at least three or four times a week training. Um, at 20 so yeah. below, man, you're crazy. <laughs> well, 
Well, that's hey, a South Texas boy know, talking. You got to know how to shoot with gloves on. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, if something needs to be shot with gloves on, I'm going to call you and say, hey, go take care of that for me. Roger that. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. I hope you don't mind. Well, that's that's cool, man. Well, that, um, I know that you're going to be out with us in uh, in June in Colorado for the high angle and uh, the other stuff that we have going on out there. So it, it'll be nice to it'll be nice to catch up with you again. We we got this one a little bit started a little bit late, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make this a short one, Mike. But um, yeah, you no know worries. you know I got that the the damn mixer board screwed up on me, so I had to order in a new mixer board. And what's kind of cool about mm-hmm. this mixer board is it came with some stuff like this. Like, I can do this. I'm just talking like normal. It's got a voice the size of. What do you think about that? <laughs> that was I like cool. it. That was pretty cool, right? Yeah, and then a little creepy, too, but yeah, I like here's it. Another, here's another one, too, and this is called... A small robot. I can change my voice to a small robot. So it's got more of that shit on there, too. So it's kind of cool. And then if you say something I don't like, I can do that. And then oh, perfect. also, if we, I have you up here on these channels, you know, and, and you're saying something and I want to talk over you, like I can push a button and just cut you out completely. And if you were here, you could do the you same. You might want to do that from time to time. It, 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 it <laughs> might become necessary. And then there's also a megaphone feature. What do you think about that? I'm not changing the way I talk at all. It's all through the mixer board. So but I like this new one. It's better. But like I said, I'm sending the other. Cool. I'm sending the other one to Idaho. I let those guys be his headache. If he looks at it and says, "Oh, that one sucks," then he can throw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one I like better: the Space Odyssey sound or the uh, the ransom phone call sound. The what now? Though the ransom phone call. The yeah, first the... one's got like a ransom ransom call. That's it right there. That's it right there. So we'll we'll come up with some really cool stuff. No, nah, but I need to I need to get some more some more music on this thing too, so I can have better intros and outros. That was just the the crap that came on it. So we'll have to get that fixed or sooner or later. But listen, everybody, listen up again. Check out the Rifles Only website for classes in Texas, Colorado, as well as New Hampshire. All established and up and going. Also check there for any of your gear needs: uh, suppressor covers, rear bags, slings. We got all kinds of stuff. Also the uh, DFAT, which is the dry fire training aid. And so if you need any of that equipment, just call in. If you need certain sizes, whatever, just let us know. Send us an email. If you got a question for the podcast itself, it's ROAP at riflesonly.com, Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Mike, stay on with me after, okay? Roger that. See you, everybody. Take care.